For hundreds of years, the planet Mars has been the subject of heated controversy among scientists. Falcon Heavy is configured for flight. Tango Delta nominal. Five, four, three, two, main engine start, zero, and liftoff of the Delta rocket with opportunity. When you look at a planet as one little tiny dot in space, it, it really isn't representative of what's going on on the planet. It's a stretch goal. It is so audacious. We are one world, and that we are more connected than we um, give ourselves credit for a lot of the time. Hello, and welcome to We Martians. I'm your host, Jake Robbins. And today is a little bit of a different kind of episode. So if this is your first We Martians episode, you need to pause the recording and go listen to a real episode with a real scientist or engineer or whatever, because this episode is not that at all. Um, If you guys have been following along for the past few episodes, you'll know that we've been doing our Going Pro campaign and trying to start a new career for myself to make this more of a priority, which has been really, really fun and exciting. You guys have stepped up and supported me like crazy, and I'm overwhelmed. And one of your rewards for reaching a 200 patron milestone is an Ask Me Anything style podcast with me. For some reason, that's what it's going to be today. And I have a friend with me to help with that. Uh, joining us today is uh, Anthony Colangelo from the Main Engine Cutoff Podcast. Anthony, how are you? I'm good. I'm not a real scientist nor engineer. I'm just a man with a list of questions in front of me, and I'm excited <laughs> that I got roped into this. Well, I really appreciate you coming onto the show to uh, to help with this. Uh, we usually podcast on the Off Nominal show together, um, which is a little more, uh, it's got some more antics to it, but it's always fun to kind of get us onto the main shows and do something slightly more professional. <laughs> yeah, well, good thing that you told me this was going on the main feed, so I was not uh, bringing the Off Nominal antics to this. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Um, so we put out a call for a whole bunch of questions uh, to the patrons. Um, we got a lot. Uh, there was a, some pretty interesting ones. Um, I've tried to loosely organize them into some sections so that they make kind of uh, sense in some way. But uh, you know, I don't think we need to drag our heels too much. Anthony, do you want to just uh, start rattling through them and we'll get to work? Yes. And I can tell from the organization we have here, we're going to warm up with some Mars we're going to go on through the Going Pro campaign, and then it's going to get spicy after that, I feel like. <laughs> so I'm excited for this. So first one we've got from Chris and Chase. What is your favorite with a U? I don't know if that was you or them that used a U in favorite. What's your favorite past, present, and future mission to Mars? Past, present, and future. That's a that's a lot to pick from. So past mission. Uh, I, I think I have to say opportunity. You know that? I think I have to say the MER program in general because... That mission was just spectacular. It changed the way we do science on Mars. It broke all the rules on kind of how missions can operate. And uh, I think I have a little bit of a bias too, because I got to cover the last couple of years of it and the you know recovery operation for Opportunity. So I think I have to go with Opportunity for past mission. That's that's fair enough. I, I, I thought you were going to go more historical than that. You think just so? Just as a guess, I was going to say some history and maybe even <laughs> like Sojourner. Was would have been my guess because of how, like its position in time, you know the the place that that came in Mars history was very pivotal. Yeah, that's true. So I yeah. felt that's, like you were going to go that, a pretty but close opportunity second. is totally legit, legit. Yeah, opportunity. I mean, and maybe maybe it's just because uh, you haven't quite accepted that it's gone and it's part of history yet. Is that why? <laughs> it could be that. Yeah, <laughs> I think I was ready for that before you were, though. So <laughs> probably, yeah. Uh, present mission. So oh, this is a tough one. Um, what does I the present say, mean? Does that mean currently operating or are you including the 20s in here? 
I think it has to be currently operating, right? Okay. On the surface yeah. or in orbit right now. Yeah, yeah. Because um, like my gut wants to say curiosity, but it feels too easy. I feel like I'm missing something. Um, you know what? Let's go with Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter. Whoa, okay. Yeah, and, and here's why. So curiosity wouldn't be have been able to even land without it. Um, wouldn't know where to go. Those high-res images have done so much science. Like, just almost all the major science papers that you've uh, read or, or heard about through anything to do with, like, Mars surface features, Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter has been a part of, and it's helped us plot every landing since it's been in orbit. So I think I'm going to go with MRO. I could, I could co-sign that. Those images are amazing, even just, you know, somebody who likes looking at high-res images of the surface of Mars. And you're right, for the planning perspective... It's so pivotal to actually operating missions day to day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's a good answer. Yeah. All right. Future. Um, and this one's also tough because let's see. So what's, what's the question say? Is it, is it mission or spacecraft? Mission. Mission. So if it's mission, I'm going to say the Mars sample return campaign will be my favorite future mission. But if it was spacecraft, I might go with the Rosalind Franklin. This is also a funny question because it's like, is it is it future of, that we know of, or can you make up any mission? Oh, true. You, know, yeah. you, you had the world at your fingertips here, and you, you chose to just pick whatever the next one up is. Well, I'm a pretty near-term thinker. <laughs> yeah, you, you know are. that. <laughs> All right. So we're going to... We started out positive, Jake. Now flip your mind because Malcolm wants to know what your favorite Mars mission failure has been. Oof. Failure, failure, failure. Um, I think I have to go with, which one was the, the units one? That was Mars climate, climate orbiter, yeah. right? So this is the one where they were inputting like a trajectory correction burn. And instead of, um, putting in like the Delta V and, or not Delta V, whatever the, the force of the, of the thrusters in Newtons, they put it in pounds force or something stupid. And it like put it in the wrong direction and the thing burnt up in the atmosphere. That's the one I think I have to go to because well for one it's just humbling like it's like it reminds us that we're all just people and we screw up and i think that's good kind of grounding perspective but i also think that like that whole the um like those that mission because it 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 failed almost a month apart from the lander the mars polar lander for a whole different reason so that was like a real bad year for nasa for the mars program and i think those two failures reorganized the whole thing and you know, the the next mission they planned after that was Opportunity and Spirit. And, you know, it, it sort of reorganized them in a way that was really positive. So that's why I'm going to go with the Climate Orbiter, I think. And it's a, it's a classic failure, just like generally, not even about space, right? Just engineering in general. This is a classic failure that is in so many textbooks at this point yeah. that it's hard to not pick this one. Totally, totally. All right, next up, this is a good one, Jake, because I feel like I've mentioned this topic to you a couple of times and you've shown very little, uh, like, I don't even know if you recognize the question I was asking you uh, (laughs) or if you just didn't want to get into it, but Michael sure does. He said, what is your take on the Viking labeled release experiment and Gilbert Levin and his arguments? Yeah, this is a, this is a spicy one because it it just came, um, it just came back up in the news, right? Um, Gilbert, uh, is it Levin? Le- Levine? What is it? Levin. Levin. Um, Levin, sure. Uh, he just wrote a whole op-ed in, was it Scientific American, I think, um, about how he still thinks that the Viking experiment found life. So, I mean, with the with the caveat that I am 
very, very far from an astrobiologist in any way. <laughs> just I want to just put that out there. So I don't really know the specifics of the of the you know the results and the methodology and all that. But with that caveat, like the rundown was basically there was like um, I think the labeled releases the one they put like they put nutrients into the soil. Like took up some Mars soil, they put nutrients in there, and they like laced it with like this radioactive carbon fourteen or something, and then they did like a control. So they had one where they just they heated it up to like blast all the microbes to death, and then they tested the air, and then one where they didn't heat it up. And the idea was, if the if there were microorganisms, they would have eaten the nutrients, and then that carbon fourteen would have passed into oxygen into the atmosphere, like as they metabolized it. And they found that oxygen in the the one that wasn't the control. And that was like, that should have been a positive for life. But there was all these other experiments and stuff that happened with Viking that, that indicated there was no organics and all this other stuff. And then they ran the experiment again, and then it didn't come back positive, and they don't know why. So it's super inconclusive. Uh, my take on it is, I, I think that, we probably didn't know what we were doing in the seventies. That's kind of my best sort of reasonable answer is that it was our first, first lander ever. And we went straight for the hardest question. Like, is there life on Mars? Like it was, it was a little bit of a leap and we probably didn't have the right technology. And I just don't think we can trust any kind of results in there with a lot of scrutiny. And with all the, the experience we've gained since then, we would, we're moving to a place where we can actually come back and ask that question. I think with uh, Mars 2020 and, and ExoMars, we'll be able to, to really look at that a little more deeply. But uh, yeah, so my take is that inconclusive is the right choice. There's like a whole backside to that theory as well, though, where because uh, they, they did it on both Viking landers and they got similar results out of each. So it was yeah. like not a single you know spot on Mars that showed this behavior. But there's a whole nother. I've heard him on the space show a couple of times. And and it gets crazy. Like he's he said that like NASA has banned these kind of experiments in the future, and they didn't want anything flying to Mars that way. So much so that like was it Mars ninety six that failed on launch or something? Yeah, I think that so. like there's something that ties into them not wanting that to launch. I don't know what like they <laughs> got lasered out of this. Yeah, stuff, right? it gets crazy. <laughs> like the back half of that that theory gets wild. Uh, so it's a fun trip down that rabbit hole if you want to. Yeah, totally. Uh, but. We don't need to entertain that too much. There's a good podcast series there. Absolutely is. <laughs> uh, similar vein, St. Aardvark wants to know, in your heart of hearts, do you think we'll find signs of life on Mars or elsewhere in the solar system? I think in the solar system, I think we will. I think that'll happen. Uh, Mars, I'm not so sure. I mean, that, if of all the places Mars in the solar system, Mars is not quite the top of the list for me, but... I mean, I'm motivated as hell to go and find out. That's for sure. <laughs> I feel like I've done this rant on off nominal before, but I'm 100% convinced we'll find it everywhere. Like we, that, we that did this with water. You know, we thought water was nowhere in the solar system and the last like 10 or 20 years has just been a stream of us going, oh, there's water over there. Oh, there's water over there. Oh, there's water over there. And then you watch, you know, Blue Planet was my favorite series that BBC put out. And you look at how weird life is in like deep oceans and everywhere yeah. that there's like any space available, there's crazy life. So I just have this sense that we're going to go through this phase where we realize it's everywhere. That's uh, that's a totally possible thing. Yeah. I'm the 100%. major extremist there, but yeah. that's that's what I think we'll end up with. That'd be another humbling one as well. Yeah. Just it's yeah. just, you know, what, eh, so we're going to find out in like <laughs> a very long time though. 
<laughs> uh, next up, Lars. This is the last of the Mars uh, section here. Lars from Mars. This is not Lars from Mars. That's a different guy on Twitter. Lars, in the Mars section. What is your favorite thing you learned from the paper reviews on RPR? So this is a tough one because I read a lot of papers and I don't remember all of them. <laughs> <laughs> you read so a lot I of pro- abstracts. Yeah, I probably have some recency <laughs> bias. So, um, so there was one that came out not too long ago. It was a, a MAVEN result. And this was one where... Uh, so the MAVEN spacecraft is the one that kind of dips into the atmosphere and does this like really upper atmosphere kind of... Uh, in situ sampling so it's really kind of cool it does these dive bombs and they found out this way to like reuse one of the instruments to measure wind speed when they did it and so they can measure upper atmospheric winds and when they mapped the whole planet they found out that they could measure surface topography in the upper atmospheric wind so if you think if you go down to the surface and like a uh, you know some sort of wind comes and hits like a hill and then it bounces upwards and goes over the hill that like upward motion would propagate up through the atmosphere high enough so that at the whatever 150 kilometer altitude that maven is dipping into it could see that in the upper atmospheric winds and i thought that was just mind-blowing that is like the coolest thing to me that is wild and that's something that is fairly unique to mars or environments that have an atmosphere but very low gravity i assume so that you know you wouldn't be able to do that at earth because there's so much dynamic activity in earth's atmosphere and it's so thick right yeah could be i don't know i'm not sure i mean mars crazy mars's atmosphere is very tall like it's taller than earth because the the gravity's not the same right so um you can you can dip into the atmosphere at 150 kilometers whereas on earth there's not really much there's no wind happening at 150 kilometers right so it's denser both in in vertical height but also actual density yes and so yeah it's that's that's pretty weird i would have never thought that yeah it's bizarre so yeah all right moving on to the podcast generally going pro itself we got one from george and ce i don't know who ce is the rest of these people I, I have at least encountered once, I think. Uh, what got you into space and Mars? Why did you start We Martians in the first place? So I, I never have a good answer for this, but the the best, like the best thing that I can recall, like the the furthest back space memory I have of being like really excited about something, was when Chris Hadfield was commander of the ISS. So that was 2013, I think. Um, and he was the first Canadian to command the space station. And I remember watching his videos cause he had such great videos for like all his outreach stuff. You know, the one where he's like wringing the rag full of water and it's all bubbling over his hands and stuff. That was kind of cool stuff. And <clears throat> I remember just like watching those videos and then it leads to questions, right? It's like, well, you know, how big is the space station? And then I'm looking that up and I'm like, how do you get around it? Like, I want to see a map of the space station and like, <laughs> you know, where all the modules connect. And I just dug in and dug in and dug in. And then I think, of course, um, like a lot of us, uh, y- you get trapped in a Kerbal Space Program at some point and, and uh, it makes you love rockets and you go from there. So um, starting We Martians was really just about I wanted to be a part of what was happening. I was so excited about space and I didn't want to just read about it anymore. I wanted to do something that added to the community and I had a little bit of background in audio and so it seemed like and I was an avid podcast listener so it seemed like something that I could pull off so I just kind of gave it a shot and uh yeah you skipped over your uh KSP history background yeah Yeah. (laughs) I'm just gonna plug that episode of off nominal where we talk about the fact that Jake is KSP history guy if anyone out there was uh big into the Kerbal Space Program Reddit back in the day that predated We Martians by just a few months (laughs) yeah if you're on that Reddit from like 
it was only a short period. Like I can't summer, believe how short that was that you did that. Summer 2014 to like maybe summer 2015, like maybe a year. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah. So if you ever on that Reddit, you probably would have seen some of my posts. But yeah. And that was like where I learned how to do a little bit of science communication and um, also learned how to pace myself. So because <laughs> yeah, I burnt totally. out hard on that. <laughs> <laughs> Following on that thread from Chase, when did when you started We Martians, where did you see it going? Did you have long-term plans and did you ever think you'd go pro? Uh, I never thought I would go pro. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> it was totally just a hobby at the time. Um, and actually, I think like I even I hesitated with with Patreon because I wanted to make sure that it was something that I liked doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to take anyone's money before I was like ready to commit to it. Like you even, you even teased me I remember me having it. that argument with that, with yeah, you on that. Yeah, you like, you, you told me I was being stubborn for not starting. And I was like, no, I'm going to wait one year and then I will start it if I still, uh, still love the podcast. So, um, but yeah, so, I mean, it was just, uh, it was something fun to do and I had ended that KSP history thing. So I was kind of like a little bit bored at that time. I haven't been bored since, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of it. How about long-term plans? Long-term plans. Outside of not thinking that you would go pro. Uh, I did not have any long-term plans for it. No, not you were just time. you. It was that one-year waiting period, and then you were like, "We'll see where the wind blows." I was like, "This is fun. I'm going to keep talking to people." Yeah. That's that's exactly my long-term plan. So I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Benjamin wants to know who would you like to see on Twitter who doesn't have much presence. Who would I like to see on Twitter? Hmm. I think uh, I think we need to get Bruce Bannard on. Hmm. That's the principal investigator for the Insight Mission. He is not on Twitter at all, and I would love to hear what he's working on. <laughs> I, would, I would love some updates on that I mission. would love some updates on what's going on with <laughs> That's Insight. That's a not-so-subtle yeah. way to say that. Yes. <laughs> Him and whoever's running DLR. Yeah, totally. Uh, Tim wants to know how you find guests. Is it your own research, connections, or do you look for authors of papers? And how many guests has Larry Gary from Lockheed helped with? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, this is probably the boring answer, but it's like kind of a mix of everything, right? Um, so I do a lot of cold calls. I'm putting those in quotes because it's like cold emails and cold Twitter DMs usually is what it is. Um, but I just, I'll just reach out to people who don't know me. I'm not really afraid to do that. Uh, so that has helped a lot. I've made some, some good connections that way. Um, it really helps if you've interviewed people's colleagues. So usually when I reach out to someone, I'm like, Hey, this is what I do. Um, if you're curious about what the heck I am like here's some sample episodes and by the way one of them happens to be with a person you know and so I'm very strategic about kind of how I place that so that they can you know oh I can go talk to my friend and find out if this guy's legit or whatever so that kind of helps and then you know you meet people at conferences so that's super helpful as well because you can get face to face and then you're you kind of gain an automatic legitimacy that way and then people are not afraid to talk to you so uh, Gary has definitely helped. Um, he, uh, so if you remember the most direct one he did was, uh, at the insight launch, he connected me with, uh, Tim who was on the show for that one. So, cause he was, uh, he was there and he actually full credit to Gary. He actually got me into that event where I was able to talk to all of them. So he was super helpful for that one. But, uh, you know, I think, I think Gary's a great guy. He's going to probably going to help us uh, in the future as well. For sure. Definitely. He's a, he's a classic around here. Totally. Christine and Malcolm uh, have a couple questions here. How do you keep track of different topics you follow and report on? Keep track of different topics. Well, um, I think they so know that a- you're a copious planner and note <laughs> and they're wondering about that. 
Yeah. Uh, so I use RSS feeds to keep track of news. So I've kind of been curating um, a list and you do the same thing, Anthony, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, I use Twitter obviously to keep uh, tabs on things. Uh, the discord is super helpful now and, and making sure I don't miss anything They're They're kind of on top of stuff most of the time. Um, and then in terms of like the topics that I'm tracking, I, I don't track too much detail, but I do, I do make like yearly sort of, content strategy plans very loose like sort of like you know i just finished the one for 2020 where it's basically like in 2020 what are the main themes that i want to cover uh, and that helps me it kind of helps ground me through the year where i'm like okay i need an, another episode what should i do i go and look at my themes to make sure i'm covering the things that i wanted to cover and then i kind of have a list of like like a wish list of guests and i try and match them up so they hit the themes and go that way but um, other than that i don't do a ton of like super intense note taking for stuff to track you also have a really nice uh, timing element of Mars life, right? Where you've got launch windows every so often and you've got results coming back from missions that are happening now. And then when the, these this set launches, you'll have results coming back from them. Yeah. And that's that nice TikTok that I feel like, you know, I always like the rhythm of that because you get one year, like this year is going to be crazy for you with yeah. all these different spacecraft launching. And then you've got next year to kind of digest what's happening and then another uptick. Yeah. So oh, next year, that. next year will be all the landings, though. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the way that it straddles the years, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, they also had one other question: What's your process for going through scientific papers without getting bogged down in the technicalities? Yeah, that's a tough. Spoiler one. alert: He loves getting bogged down in technicalities. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, maybe yeah. Different spoiler <laughs> alert. So um, you you will have heard this on the uh, the last episode, uh, which will come out before this one. Um, but, uh, many papers have these things called plain language abstracts now, which is super helpful for a lay person like me. So they kind of write the abstract in science and then they write the abstract in English. Um, which is really great because you can, I can read the, the plain language one and kind of get a gist for what's happening and then go back to the scientific one. And if I don't understand a word or a concept, I can sort of infer it from context, which is really helpful. Um, the, the not so glamorous answer is that I don't have any journal subscriptions. And so most of the time I can't read the full paper, uh, which makes it really easy to read through it. <laughs> you read sort of the abstract. You kind of hope that there's, if there's like a, a news coverage of it where someone else has done some reporting on a paper, that's super helpful. Um, I've emailed authors before to say like, Hey, I really like this abstract. Can you email me a PDF? And they're usually good enough to do that. Uh, which is great. But if I, if I really am interested in something and I don't understand it, I just interview them. That's what I do. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. Yeah. So, uh, let's see, we've got Lars up next a little bit about your bootcamp that you're doing right now. What are your goals for the web development bootcamp and what are you going to do after that? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. So um, this bootcamp I'm in is for web development and I'm on, I just finished week three of 12. So it's actually like a quarter done already. It's going really fast. Um, and so my ultimate goal with it is to, uh, like, I want to be, forget what I'm doing. I want to be a freelancer. So I want to work from home. I want to take all sorts of different kind of contracts. Um, you know, whether that's doing a web page for someone or doing maintenance for someone or working on a podcast or doing some writing or doing public speaking for space or all these kinds of things. I want to build this sort of diverse you know, workload of things that I can do so that I'm very flexible and can kind of be my own boss. So the web development part of it is really, it's sort of a stable foundation for that. And so, um, it reduces the risk 
to being a full-time podcaster because I can't just start that. You guys have been great at supporting me, but um, it's not quite a full salary yet. And so I need to find a way to plug those holes. And that's kind of what I'm using web development for. But I also want to um, take those skills and build stuff with it that uh, would be related to what you guys are interested in, right? So um, I'm thinking about, I have a lot of ideas for like interactive web experiences and, and you know, there's going to be lots of need for building websites to distribute all the content I'm going to create and all that kind of thing. So it all kind of ties together in sort of a big, uh, you know, mishmash of stuff, but uh, that's about it. When I, when I finish, I'll probably have to get some kind of job just to get some experience, um, like sort of a regular job, but I'm going to try and prioritize like something remote or part-time or something like that. So, Yeah, and even just, I think, even if it was regular kind of standard job where you're in an office, typical hours, having this kind of job versus what you had previously will give you a little bit more brain space yeah, for totally. space stuff in general. Yeah. Um, are you going to use fixed price or cost plus contracts for those freelance gigs? <laughs> I have, have to. Have you decided I have to, your policy yet? I have not decided my no, policy okay. yet. But I'll have to <laughs> get some uh, public private partnerships or something. Yeah, I'll have to get some consultation from some of my uh, friends who are developers, aka you. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a little bit similar from Malcolm. What would a full time career with We Martians look like? He kind of went into this a little oh, bit. I if there's did, anything, yeah. yeah, okay. Malcolm, yeah, um, I, I a mean, early that, on this. Yeah, that's really it. I mean, I want to I want to make space content, and that's kind of the ultimate thing. So, uh, podcast will be one component of that. Um, I love feature content versus breaking news, so I really want to kind of get get into that. But ultimately, just kind of build a subscription base, kind of like what I'm doing now, and 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 have the flexibility to do kind of really interesting creative projects is is the ultimate goal. It's almost like both of us have similar goals and three podcasts among us. Yeah, it's kinda. weird. Yeah, it's a weird, weird. setup. Uh, Matthew, up next. When are you starting the We Lunatics podcast, and is it dependent on a specific milestone of the Artemis program? Uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, no new content for a bit, at least until the summer. So <laughs> we'll find out. I don't. I don't think I would. Here, here's the here's the the harsh tea. I I don't think the Artemis program is stable enough to start a podcast about. So <laughs> doesn't seem it right now. Yeah. No. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. The funny part is if you were just to rename your podcast every two years, We Martians, We Lunatics, We Martians, yeah. We Lunatics, you would really fit with the time. Yeah, the Moon to Mars podcast or the Mars the to Moon, moon to Mars, podcast. yeah. The Flexible Path <laughs> podcast. Capability-based podcast. <laughs> uh, ben wants to know some gritty details here. How do you handle financials on the show? Have you created an LLC or something, and what triggered that decision? Oh, good question. Um, so we don't have LLCs in Canada. That's a American thing. Um, so I do, uh, basically I have a sole proprietorship is what it's called. So in British Columbia, you can, you can be your own boss and just have a operate under your own name. Um, it's the easiest one to set up. It's got like no paperwork at all. Um, so it's very simple. I just file taxes as a small business and that's kind of it. There's not really any, anything to do with that. So just, just like any other kind of small business, it's probably similar with an LLC. I can, I can expense, you know, travel and gear and, and postage and business expenses and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's pretty easy. What triggered your decision? Did you say that and I missed it? I was uh, well, thinking about I, my own LLC. <laughs> it, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't really a decision. So the, the second that I earned a, my first dollar on Patreon, I had to file taxes and that's just what you got to do. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah. All right, we've got some human spaceflight stuff to talk about. All right. Uh, this is where it might get a little spicy, right? Maybe, maybe. Uh, Chris and Lars want to know, would you move to Mars and what would you do if you could? 
So would it be like a huge disappointment if I said, no, I wouldn't move to Mars? <laughs> no, I would think that's the standard answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, like Mars is pretty crap when you think about it, right? Like, it's like, it's like Earth, but it's <laughs> got no plants and you can't go outside. Like, yeah. So it's it's not the best place to live. I mean, what I think maybe they're going for is that, like, in a world where that is actually a question, you know, that someone has to answer. Like, if, if there was, like, a a full infrastructure and cities and stuff there, would I move there? And I, I don't know. That's that's a pretty tough one to answer because you don't know what it's going to look like. But uh, uh, apologies if anyone's out there listening in Reno. Um, but when I landed in Reno a couple years ago, I was driving to Lake Tahoe. I had a moment. It was like early spring. So everything, all the plant life was still dead. So it was kind of just brown. And there was like a Taco Bell. And I realized <laughs> that that was like maybe the peak of what Mars could look like in my lifetime. <laughs> Taco <Just> like Bell. <laughs> some development and the first Taco Bell, you know? And then I went, oh, okay. So that was the moment that I started reassessing my answer to this question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the second part, second half of their question, what would you do if you could? I assume, does that mean like what occupation would you have there? <sighs> yeah. Um, what would you like to be if you were going to move? Sanitation? Sanitation. Yeah, maybe... I don't know, podcaster? Podcaster, yeah. Is that an answer? <laughs> you would run the communication system there. You'd be the guy in the PA. Be like, totally. Clean up in uh, Robin's Dome. <laughs> Darren wants to know, what would you say if you were the first to step foot on Mars? That's a heavy question. Yeah, it's a big one. That's a big one. I mean, I think I have to be, I have to be, like, I, I don't think I'm the Neil Armstrong answer. I think I'm the Pete Conrad answer. Um, <laughs> and I think it, it But probably... in this case, you have to be the first out there. So do you feel forced to be the Armstrong? Oh, maybe. But I think I would just kind of be like, you know, can confirm it's made of rocks or something <laughs> really, really lame. Canada rules. <laughs> Canada rules, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Number one. <laughs> um, Marcel, I believe this is. Is that Marcel? Is that how you pronounce that? I think so, yeah. Cool. How do you think humanity will be able to successfully go to Mars in the 2030s? And how would the first Mars, Mars mission look? Hmm. Uh, all right. So, I mean, we've talked about this lots, but I, I kind of have the cynical answer to that. Right. And I think that the only way we're going to ever successfully go is that we need a better reason. We need like a well articulated the question into this a little bit. Like we need a well articulated, <laughs> convincing and succinct answer that motivates like a lot of people with a lot of money. Right. I mean, I want to go to Mars for science reasons i want to go for adventure reasons but that's not enough for like a coalition of people to pay for it right some people have different reasons they want to go and you know all these different little little groups of people that want to go they haven't been able to come together in kind of one um one banner that says this is why we're going to do this right if you think about how much motivation you require to make the apollo landings happening that was like a huge huge geopolitical thing that just managed to get six little landings there um so mars is bigger and it's gonna need more consensus i think so it's a bit of a cynical answer i'm sorry no it's a jake answer <laughs> bringing the why thing right into this yeah totally <laughs> uh saint aardvark is back with another question here have you read kim stanley robinson's red blue green mars books and do you like them any other mars related sci-fi you find interesting so I tried to read Red Mars and I found it super boring. <laughs> I couldn't even finish it. I kept zoning out. I had the audiobook and I was like, I would 
you know, go to work with it and then get to work and realize that I don't remember the last 40 minutes because I was just on my phone or talking to people or whatever. Um, and so I struggled with it. And I think it's just because like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not super motivated by that sort of like techno what if, which is like what those books are about, right? It's just like, here's a, an imagined, like an imagined world where this is how the technology made this happen. And I'm less motivated by that than, than others, I think. So it was, it's a struggle for me. I finished uh, Red Mars, but uh, yeah, I didn't start Blue Mars for what that's worth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I I love I love more realistic stuff. So The Martian for me was like the best. That was the best sci-fi ever. What? How do you feel about the Expanse's uh, take on Mars? It's pretty good. Um, the Expanse is, is one of my favorite shows for sure. It's a little further out, so again, like it's hard to kind of imagine that, but it feels much more realistic like it feels like this is a path that is possible based on our current trajectory and who people are yeah that's my ideal visualization of it plus i'm i'm you know i'm expecting personally the martian war for independence to be a major plot point and i feel like the expanse takes place right after that so it (laughs) seems like a plausible path for life totally all right we've got one from mache mache you gave me a pronunciation guide, but I feel like I didn't nail it, so I yeah. apologize. That was you're moving straight, to Mars. Straight from Mache, so Mache, okay. Uh, you're moving to Mars. What are your top three things to do slash places to see on planet Earth before you leave forever? So this is a great question because everyone always wants to know what you're going to do when you get there, not what you're going to do before you leave. It's brilliant, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good. So top three things to do or places. Um, so I would love to visit India. India is like top of my bucket list for places to go visit. I want to spend a month there and see all the cool stuff. That would be probably the top of the list. Uh, I, this is maybe a weird one, but I want to swim with whales. Love it. How is that weird? I love whales. I think they're just like the most incredible animals and I want to be in the water with them at some point. Great maybe answer. not, maybe not like an orca or something, but like, <laughs> like a nice humpback, you know, humpbacks are pretty docile. They're pretty friendly. Um, I would love to, to swim with whales and then, Hmm, you know, I would love to, uh, there's a, if you're a hiker, you know, this one, but there's the, a trail called the Pacific crest trail. I would love to hike the Pacific crest trail before I go. That would be Those like the ultimate, ones. ultimate, like wilderness experience. Go from, well, you're going to have a lot of wilderness. Yeah. But soon I get it though. I was thinking of my answers when I was reading through this earlier and I feel like, I took a tact of you get three days. I'm giving you my answer on this. I know this is not an AMA for me, but this is too fun of a question. I decided I would like to do one day in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. I would like to do one day uh, like renting a boat all around some island in the Caribbean and just cruising and enjoying the ocean. And then do one day in, in Florence, Italy, eating all of the good food. That's pretty good Those are like too. three things that I'm not going to get on Mars. Yeah. Yeah, the water one is important, right? Water, thick jungle, great food. Yeah, totally. Good one. Al the Techie wants to know, you reported from Arizona at the 2019 Women in Space Conference, and you obviously worked hard to ensure your interviewees on We Martians are gender diverse. With Elon Musk's latest tweets about taking 100,000 people to Mars per orbital sink, what can us wannabe Martians do now to ensure that diverse groups are excited about the adventure, destination, and opportunity? Lowercase o, not the rover. (laughs) <laughs> what a what a question that's a great one al that's a that's an awesome question super important too because i like i i 100 believe that it is critically important 
if we're going to go on this big endeavor to send people to Mars, we need to do it in a way that is built on diverse ideas and perspectives. Um, I'm not like, I don't want to be the guy that's like pushing a big agenda on the listeners or anything. So I think the best advice I could give would be is to like, think about all the, think about all the places where you are consuming content and listening to people. Think about social media, TV, podcasts, movies, uh, the people you hang out with or organizations you're a part of and just add one new diverse perspective to it. You know, find, find someone who has different color skin than you find someone who's a different gender than you find someone who has a different ability level than you different social economic backgrounds, different nationality, different religion, just find one voice that's different from you and add it to those things and listen to them because they'll probably give you way better advice than I ever will. Plus one. Great answer. Great question. Great answer. Great question. Um, All right. We got personal personal things next. Chris would like to know what your favorite TV show as a kid was. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, nice. Yeah, totally. Instant answer too. Not even even thinking about it. Didn't have to think about it. (laughs) Uh, Benjamin wants to know if your wife would do a show with you and what would its topic be? (laughs) It's a fun fact. She was already in one episode. It was early on and you can go hunting for it if you want to hear it. Yeah. I don't even know if I remember which one that is. Yeah. There you go. That's your, uh, that's your new fact finding mission. I thought you were going to bring up the time that you were a guest on that, uh, what was the show that you oh, and yeah, were on? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were on uh, Judge John Hodgman. Uh, once. Yes, yes. Yeah. Episode, uh, I think I episode 400. I remembered it because it was even 400. Uh, Everybody we were, that's listening needs to go listen to that. <laughs> yeah, we were in the, great. in the Swift Justice segment. So it was a, we're kind of at the end of it, uh, a real short segment, but uh, it was lots of fun. Totally. And relevant to our topics here. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if we were going to do a podcast together, though, it'd probably be about like cats or something and it'd be really boring. But yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why we haven't done one yet. (laughs) Well, good news. Going pro. (laughs) Going pro. Yeah. Ryan would like to know if Mars Attacks was the greatest movie of a generation or of all time. (laughs) What what a choice. eh? (laughs) I don't even really remember this movie. Expressing no opinion on the movie. Yeah. I I barely remember this movie. All I remember is like, ack, 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 and like the laser guns. And I don't know. I don't know how to answer that one. I just looked it up while we were talking because I, I don't know if I've heard or seen it or anything. Um, but Pierce Brosnan and Danny DeVito are in this movie and I feel like I now have to watch that. Wow. And doesn't like country music make their heads explode? I have never seen this. Okay. I don't know. I don't know anything about this. Sorry, right. Ryan. That's our homework is to watch that. Uh, Granicus wants to know of all the superhero movies you hate, which do you hate the least? <laughs> so, Damn. yeah. Uh, explainer on that one. I hate superhero movies. I can't stand them. Um, and, uh, he's teasing me about that. Um, I, 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 oof, I don't know. I mean, the first Iron Man's pretty tolerable. It's not bad. Pretty tolerable. Um, Wonder Woman was good because Gal Gadot was just fantastic, you know? Uh, yeah. Have you seen know, the second Iron Man? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think so. No, you should watch that one. It's a fun one. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there that hate it, but I, I enjoy the banter and it's peak Tony Stark. I like Robert Downey Jr. So yeah, if if I like the the actors in the movie, sometimes I can get through them. That's probably why I like the Iron Man and Wonder Woman. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, last of the personal ones here. Ben has a question. Do you have any non-space related hobbies? Ooh, yeah. Um, well, my wife and I are huge home renovators. We love tearing apart our homes and redoing them and then selling them. That's kind of like one of our things. So I would say that is definitely one. 
Uh, other than that, I think uh, hiking is the other one. I hike a lot in the in the, the whole, most of the year. Honestly, I'm about ready to start uh, if I manage to find time in this boot camp. But uh, the weather's getting close to a point where I can go out again. Um, lots of good mountains in Vancouver, and I like to spend uh, time on the trails. You know, ten to fifteen kilometers a weekend is usually about what I like to do. And you've got that one in the city that's like a straight climb up, right? Yeah, uh, gross grind. That's like your challenge that's in the, the beginning one. and the end of the season. I do it usually at the end to see how how well I did in the year. Um, time myself on that one, but uh, yeah, it's basically straight up. It's like eight eight hundred meters of distance and like eight hundred meters of <laughs> climb or something. That's gross. crazy. It's really bad. All right, random into the random section here. Uh-oh. This is the, the miscellaneous junk drawer of questions that All happened. Right. Malcolm leads off. If you were forced to live in a groundhog day, but the day could be any duration you choose, what would it be? What a question. It's funny that that's like, it's it's a question that starts out and you think you know the ending of the question, <laughs> but then, well, I don't see, I don't the way this is worded confuses me. Is, are you, is he asking for what duration you would pick or what would your day be with the caveat that it can be any duration? I think he wants to know what the duration is. What the day is. would be. Yeah, uh, I think that's a, that's a pretty that's, that's, a, that's an interesting question, right? Like, do you do you want to relive an hour over and over again, or do you want to live a year over and over again, or your whole life over and over again? <laughs> I think I would do like a year. Like a year would be good because you could. So a like, I could if I knew the year was going to repeat, I could like live off the money I have saved now and not have to work for the year. So I could kind of do whatever I wanted, <laughs> and you'd <laughs> you have get your bank accounts reset at the beginning. Well, if, if it's Groundhog Day, you go right back to the start of where you were, right? Okay. And I'm saying that, like, I, I can't retire right now, but I could retire for one year. And so you could do whatever you want. You have access to all four seasons. It's enough time to, like, go any place and do anything. So you could, like, really do a lot of stuff and accomplish a lot of things in a year. I thought for sure you were going to pick 26 months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have been a much better answer. <laughs> yeah, you're you're incorrect. Sorry. This is your first wrong answer of this session here. Oh, man. Yeah, that would have been great. Al the Techie wants to know, of all the robotic arms on the ISS, which is your favorite? <laughs> Dexter. Obviously, Dexter. Dexter's yeah. so cool. It's got so many arms. It's got like four arms, and it crawls around the station like a robot. It is a robot. It's crazy. Benjamin's got a little lightning round for you. Uh-oh. What's your favorite snack, healthy and unhealthy? Healthy. Um, I'm addicted to these Cliff Builder bars, these protein bars. Um, they're really, really good. And they keep my protein up because I'm a vegetarian, so it's necessary. Uh, unhealthy. I'm a sucker for gummy candies. Um, wow. Yeah. Like, Unexpected. Really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't uh, expect you to say that. <laughs> um and I, I, maybe beer should be on that list too, but um, yeah, no gummy candies. And because like uh, most of them aren't vegetarian, they all have like gelatin in them. And so you have to wait till you find the ones that have no gelatin. And then, then it's like, no, I have to buy them. And so that's right. So you buy started. like giant packs of them. Yeah. The, the dollar store by my house has these blue whales that are vegetarian and like, it's like a big bag and like I can demolish it in like six minutes. It's gross. Well then, uh, this might help with the second of his questions. Do you get seasonal affective disorder in the winter or do you eat so many gummies that it doesn't matter? <laughs> so seasonal affective disorder. Um, he didn't ask, that was the second part was my editor's note. He just know that's sad. Um, so if you don't know what this is, it's because you probably don't live in the Pacific Northwest. But it, what it is, is that if you haven't seen the sun in like three months, you get sad. Like literally you get depressed. Um, so people have like lamps here that shine 
UV light at you to like keep you not sad. Uh, I don't think I get it. I, I don't really get depressed or anything, but I do get a little like stir crazy around March and I need to like get out of town. So maybe that is sad. I don't know. We'll see. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely not. Correct answer. Yeah. Moving on to Chase's question. Now that Dragonfly has been selected, are you ready to admit that you were wrong? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Context for anyone listening. Was that off nominal four? What was that? Which one? Was that was that? early, right? Yeah. Sorry for ruining your show in the middle of it here. Yes. Episode four. We debated the merits of uh, Caesar versus Dragonfly. Dragonfly won. Yeah. Every, if you go back and listen, everything I said about Dragonfly still holds up. That's true. Same here. Let's move on. Granicus, best time travel movie. Best time travel time travel movie. Uh, Primer. You ever watch Primer? No. It's a little bit older. It's like probably like early two thousands or something. Um, but it's like an indie movie and it's super low budget and it's like awesome. It's super good. All right, on the list. Uh, ben wants to know what's the worst time travel movie. <laughs> so was there like some thread i missed with you being into time travel movies i i, I don't think i am but or did uh, you randomly get both of these <laughs> i think they were playing off each other okay. um so there's uh there's a foreign film and this is like worst time travel movie in, in like it's the worst best one or the best worst one like you love to hate it it's really it's like hilariously bad um but it's called uh time crimes and it's uh i think it's like spanish um like you know los cronocrimenes or something um but it's like just super weird like it's like this guy that gets accidentally caught in a time loop and he has to like kill himself it's like really weird but it's wow it just cascades in like this like comedy of errors and it's i don't think it's supposed to be funny but it, like it is i don't know you gotta watch it it's like a really weird yeah. one get the subtitles and and take a look I just pulled it up on Wikipedia, and it says that its budget was two point six million dollars, and the box office was five hundred and sixty-four thousand. <laughs> so that's so good. they didn't do too, too well, then, did they? Yeah, <laughs> I can tell that you don't like superhero movies by your answers to these questions. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I will leave it at that for the spoiler-free content. That's it, Jake. That's We're out it. Of questions. We're out of questions. Yeah. Well, yes, for now, I guess. <laughs> for now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure everyone has a thousand more. Yeah. Now, now I've like stoked all the fires. We're like, what? You're about, you're yeah. like this. You're this kind of person. Like you said. <laughs> oh man. I'm going to get so many emails from this episode. <laughs> uh, Anthony, thank you for coming on to do this with me. I really appreciate you taking the time. This is fun. Absolutely. Um, and I'm uh, extremely excited for the going pro campaign and how it went and how you're doing already with bootcamp. I'm excited for future stuff. Oh, thanks, man. Um, yeah, and it's still going, right? So going pro is a journey. It is not a destination. Um, and so uh, <laughs> we are, <laughs> we're, we're moving towards the next uh, milestone. So 250 patrons is the next one. Uh, and uh, I've promised a historical documentary on the Atlas rocket if I do that. So that would be um, a pretty oh, fun one to do. I need I need that in my life. You need that in your life, yeah. So it's a very... I love Atlas. It's a good rocket, man. And it sent a lot of stuff to Mars. So um, a lot of good stuff to Mars. So, and Centaur. You know I'm a big Centaur fan. You are a big Centaur fan. So if, if you uh, if you want to be a part of this, you can still be a part of this um, and join Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash WeMartians. And uh, thanks again for everyone who supported and made this happen. This was really fun to do. And I look forward to the next milestone. 
And if you're a patron now, check your bonus feed. There's about an additional 10, 11 minutes of some of the questions that didn't make it into the main show. So if you just can't get enough of this Ask Me Anything, hop over there and there's more to listen to. Thank you.